Welcome to the Hutto Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huttocommunitychurch.org. Now let's join Pastor Russell for today's message. Hey, I'm really glad that you guys are here and uh, excited to be able to talk about uh, some real life things tonight. And we're going to be entering a new series uh, for the next three weeks where we're going to be talking about uh, relationships, conflict in relationships, and how we uh, find some resolution to that conflict. So uh, if you have a Bible, go ahead and put your finger in Philippians chapter 4, and uh, we'll be picking up there in just a few minutes. Um, Now, just a word for those of you who are not married. While the primary purpose of uh, this series is for those of you who are married and to be able to help in your communication there, we communicate all the time. And when we are in relationships everywhere, right? Like you guys have work relationships. You have people that you've got to get along with at work that uh, maybe you agree with or you don't agree with. Uh, Some of you uh, will be dating or will be married in the future, and so this can help you in your communication. Some of you have kids who don't communicate at all, and so this can be a tool for you uh, to be able to work with them and for kids, for you guys to be able to talk with your parents in an appropriate an adult-like manner. So um, while we are focused on the marriage relationship, this is not about marriage uh, primarily. In fact, in Philippians chapter 4 tonight, where we're going to be, uh, there's a conflict that has been brewing in that church. And it's between two women. And uh, they've had such a conflict that Paul has heard about it in prison and thought it was significant enough that from prison he would write to the church at Philippi, Philippi and address this issue with them. And if you'll notice, if you do just a, a brief reading of the book of Philippians, you'll notice that Paul really builds up to the very end and to the passage we're going to look at tonight. Throughout, uh, throughout that book, he says, "...have the same mind." Put others before yourself. Put other, other people's needs before yourself. Have the mind of Christ. And then he gets to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2. And here's what he says. He says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So what Paul is saying here, he's saying, hey, ladies, listen, I know you've got a conflict. And and scripture doesn't tell us what that conflict is. They might've been arguing about the color of the carpet to be put in the church or who was gonna host the next potluck at their house. And they just got into it about something. And Paul says, I entreat you. And it's interesting because that word entreat is the verb form of the same word that Jesus uses over in John chapter 16 when he's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's the word that comes from paraclete. It's it's the helper. It's the comforter, the one who comes alongside. And so Paul is saying in this context, he's saying, listen, I'm calling you, please, He's pleading with them. If there's anything good in you, hey, you guys labored with me in the gospel. Please 
have the same mind. Agree together in the Lord. And then he goes on and he talks about this true companion. Now that can also be translated fellow worker. Uh, it probably most literally is translated yoke fellow, uh, uh, carrying the idea of, hey, we're going to put a yoke on our back together. And, and he's urging this person, whoever that was, maybe a deacon, maybe a pastor in the church, uh, saying, come alongside them and make it easy for these two people to agree. Make it easy. And so what Paul is saying here is, go be the referee between these two women so that they can agree. You know, we all need a referee in our relationships. And a referee is, is really supposed to be a person who's unbiased, who comes between two competing parties and can make a judgment, right? And in our relationships, sometimes we don't play by the rules. Sometimes we don't even know what the rules are because we've grown up in households where we don't know how to communicate our feelings appropriately. And so we've grown up with some bad habits and we've done some things in our relationships that are just really inappropriate. And so we need a referee to come alongside us to help us to be able to play by the same rules to say, hey, remember, we're supposed to agree together in the Lord. We're on the same page. We're, we're, we're loved ones. We want, to do, we want to be on the same page, have a great relationship. If you're in the workplace, it's so much easier to get things done when you can agree with other people, when you can be on the same page. And so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to meet my friend, Mr. Weenie, uh, the relationship referee. Now, Mr. Weenie is simply an acronym for a lot of things that we do in relationships uh, that aren't necessarily beneficial. And so we're going to look at those different things and look at solutions from Scripture as to how we can tackle those things together. So I want to start out with the first two letters, mind reading, mind reading. So mind reading is simply this. It is when there is a gap between expectations and reality. There's a gap between the expectations we have in our relationships and what really happens. And the main problem is this, that when there's that gap, the mind creates a backstory, right? The mind creates a backstory. So uh, let's say you're at work and let's say it's a Tuesday and you're waiting on an email from this one particular person so that you can take the next step in your project. In fact, you could take the next three steps in that project. You just need one email from them. You need a response on one thing, making sure something is aligned. And let's say it's their birthday that day. And so you send them an email about 10 a.m. and they don't respond. They leave, they go to lunch, but it's their birthday. So they don't come back the rest of the day. And so you start beating your head against the wall thinking, I just need a response from this, this one person so that I can move on with the project. They don't come into work the next day. They don't come into work the next day. And all of a sudden, you create this backstory of what's happening in their life. And you think, man, John, he doesn't just need a birthday. He needs a birth week. And he's out celebrating and he's gone on vacation for three days. And I just need this one response from him. And so you create this whole story and you start telling people, man, John's just so lazy. 
He, just, he can't even return emails. Even if he's, he's home at work, he knows how important this project is to me. I need him to come through. Thursday goes by, Friday goes by. Of course, there's no response over the weekend. So Monday, John comes in and John says, man, I'm, I'm so sorry. Man, I, we went out to lunch for my birthday. I started not feeling good and it turns out I had COVID last week. I know you needed that response and, and I'll get that to you as soon as possible. And we spent that whole week before creating a backstory that's really not true about this other person. We do this in, in, in marriage too, don't we? How many of you are the savers in your relationship, in your marriage relationship? Raise a hand. Come on, who's the saver? Okay, we got, we got a couple of savers. Who's the spender? These are my people. Where are you? There we go. I got a couple of spenders. Okay, great. So, in, in relationships, there's normally a saver and there's normally a spender. And what happens? We create a budget, we agree on the budget, and then what happens? What does the spender do? They go out and they spend money. And, and now we have that same gap where there's a gap between those expectations and what really happens. And the other person is over here uh, thinking in their mind, why did this person spend money? I just can't understand why they need to spend $30 at the coffee shop. And you spin up this little story about why they spent so much money here or there or wherever. And maybe or maybe it's true. Maybe or maybe not. It's true, right? Only to come home and find out, well, they bought lunch for a mom, a single mom and four kids. Well, how can you say no to that? So we do this all the time. We mind read and it's just simply not healthy, right? Uh, And when we do this, especially when we do this in workplace relationships with people we don't really know, it really reminded me of uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. And there Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so we can get all kinds of worked up about all these little things, and we can play this backstory uh, over and over again, but what we really need to do is to go back to the Scripture. And so let's go back to Philippians chapter 4 and see what Paul says. He says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So here's the deal. When we start to get spun up about things in our life, we've got to go back to the Scripture. We've got to go back to the Lord. We've got to remember all the things that He's done for us. Uh, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoicing is simply recounting all of the good things. It is gladness in the heart of what Jesus has done for us. And so I, I would just encourage you, man, think about all the good things the Lord has done. And when you get worked up and when you start mind reading of somebody else and you get all anxious of heart, go back and pray. Pray with 
thanksgiving, and then the promise of God is that his peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And then you can go back up to verse five and you can be a reasonable person and have a normal conversation with your spouse. So all of that to say, verse eight. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So here's the solution to mind reading. Think the best. Think the best. Because what we do when we mind read is often we don't think the best. We think worst case scenario. We think uh, we spin up all of these situations in our head and we can get uh, so wound up that we can create a, a huge conflict that doesn't even exist. But not if we think the best. Think the best of your spouse. I'm telling you, I know sometimes this is difficult to do. And so maybe you take a piece of paper out each morning for the next 30 days and you start writing down all of the things that you love about your spouse. Why did you marry them in the first place? Why did you get together with them? What are the things that you admire about them? What things do they do around the house that are so beneficial to the household? Write those things down. And when you're in the middle of that conflict, Instead of going to the negative place and thinking up a story that is not true, go back and think the best. Maybe you've got a coworker that you just can't stand and they just drive you insane and, and it's gotten to the point where you're cynical about them, where you can't think anything good about that person at all. Stop, let's think positive because the alternative is not good. Let's, let's put everything to the side and let's focus on what is truly their good qualities. And maybe you take out that same sheet of paper and you write their name at the top and you remember, okay, why did they get hired for this job? What are they really good at? What benefits do they bring to the office? How do they add to our team? Block out all of the negative stuff and focus on the best qualities about them. And then I would just encourage you, have a conversation. Have a conversation. Because what we like to do is we like to put someone over here in a box and say, they're just a terrible person. They're not good at their job. They're incompetent. Uh, and, and we could pile all these negative things on them. But if you will go to that person and have an in-face face-to-face conversation and say, hey, how are you doing? And really mean it and really care about who they are and what's going on in their life. I'm telling you, you will notice a change in your attitude towards them because it is very difficult to be in relationship and genuinely care about somebody else and think the worst of them. Because once you understand where they're coming from, once you understand uh, how far they've walked and what they've been through in their life, you'll have not only empathy and compassion for them, but an understanding of why they do the things they do. And here's the reality. If you were in their shoes, 
raised in their home situation, gone through the things they've gone through, you would probably do the exact same thing that they would. It's having a humility of mind. Have a conversation with them. Now, understand, sometimes we get so wound up in, in, in our fights, and probably especially with spouses, where things can just get so heated, like a scale of one to 10, where one is just, you know, calm as can be and peaceful, and 10 is like outrageous. You're on a 15, right? Like they've really pushed you over the edge, and things are just chaotic. Sometimes you just can't think the best. And in that situation, what happens? Your natural instinct kicks in, and we're to point number two, withdrawal here. Flight, fight, or freeze. And I'm telling you, none of those are good options. Those things are a problem. Because if you fly out of the room, and if you stop talking to your spouse, or you stop talking to your coworker, or you stop talking to your kid, frankly, it's just immature. Like, I've got a daughter, Haley. She's three years old. You'll see her running around after church here. She's crazy. But that's what she does. When she doesn't get her way, she runs out of the room, and she finds a little corner, and she curls up in a little ball, and she pouts, and she doesn't talk to anyone, and she grunts. You ever, anybody ever have a spouse that has grunted at them? Yeah, okay, that's good. We're in good company here. So flight is not a good option. It closes the communication uh, lines. And, and honestly, this is what I want to do. Like when Brooke and I get into it, shocker, we don't have a perfect marriage, I know. This is what I want to do. Like I want to leave the room, I want to leave the house, I want to get in my truck, and I just want to go and ignore everything that she says or every text she sends. It's what I want to do. It's natural instinct. So I get it, but let's rise up and be better than that. Another response is to fight. And some of you, you get angry. You want to throw things. You want to hit somebody. Uh, maybe you need a punching bag in your garage. Again, not a good response. This is what toddlers do. They throw things when they get mad, when they don't get their way. It's just not appropriate. And then sometimes... Um, I think this especially happens when one spouse kind of nags the other, right? You, you point out something that's wrong in the relationship or something that they did, and, and then three minutes later, you point it out again and you remind them, and then five minutes later, you do it again, and, and it just becomes this thing. It's nagging, 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 and at some point, you just kind of clam up and you freeze, and, and you just don't say anything at all. Again, not helpful to the relationship, it's a problem. So what is our solution here? You all have a little white flag, right? When you get to that point where you're about to boil over, you're ready to start throwing things, you're ready to clam up, you're ready to completely withdraw yourself from the situation, you've got a little tool here. You can take out the flag and you can wave it and you say, time out. I need a controlled withdrawal, a controlled withdrawal. And so you get to that point and you say, listen, I'm about to boil over. This is not going to be good. I want to have a conversation with you, but I can't do it right now. I'm too emotionally charged. Give me 15 minutes. Let me go to the room and let me pray. Let me seek Jesus. And then let's come back together. 
so your second point under there is going to be you pray for the other person. So during your controlled withdrawal, you are going to pray for the other person. Because here's the deal. When you begin to pray over a long period of time for that other person, it's really hard to stay mad at them all the time. And you need to pray that they would hear from the Lord and that, that you would hear from the Lord, that the Lord would calm you down, that the Lord would calm them down, and that you'd be able to come back together, Philippians 4, 5, as reasonable people and have a normal conversation. Um, the last point there is uh, you want to set a, a time and location. Time and location. So when you have the controlled withdrawal, you call time out in your relationship. You've got to say, we're going to meet back here in the kitchen at 6 p.m. Or you may need an hour and you, you may say, I've got to get out of the house. I need to go drive around the city. You can watch me on the iPhone, circle around and, and you know, do whatever. But I'm going to be gone for an hour and I'm going to come back. Or, or maybe it's something really bad and maybe you've got to say, listen, uh, it's 10 a.m. I don't want to talk to you until 6 p.m. And we're going to talk at 6 p.m. at Rio Grande uh, Mexican restaurant so that we're out in the open and we don't get loud with each other because we're in public. We wouldn't want to do that because reasonable people don't do that. And we're going to talk about this issue. Maybe you're at work and, man, you just get overwhelmed with emotion in the moment. And a boss or someone has made a decision that you just vehemently disagree with and think this is the most terrible thing that anyone could ever do to this company. You need to say, hey, listen, I, I need to call a timeout. I, I need to say some things, but I need to go and process. I need to get my mind right because I don't want to say the wrong thing to you. Uh, I don't want to uh, let my emotion overcome me because I'm really charged up right now. Can we meet tomorrow at 9 a.m. in the conference room so that we can talk about this and, and I can be reasonable and approachable so that we can find some kind of agreement here? This is what we want to do so that we can be reasonable people. So here's the deal. I want you guys to have a successful marriage. I want you guys to have successful relationships. And I want you to know that whatever it is that you're going through, as your pastor, I'm here for you. If you, if you need to say after church, hey, pastor, I, I've got trouble we're not good with each other right now, then I'm here for you. I'm here. Free counseling for the month of February. It's always free, just so you know. <laughs> I want you guys to have the best relationships possible. A couple of just tips. You can write these down uh, at, at the bottom of your page if you're taking notes. Uh, just a couple of tips that have been helpful for me and for Brooke and uh, for some other people. Uh, just to open the lines of communication. Because these two issues really happen when there is closed communication. So to open those lines, at the end of every day, you can say something to your spouse like, um, hey, what were your highs and lows for today? What was the best part of your day? What was the worst part of your day? And just talk about that. Open up the lines of communication. One of the things that Brooke and I have made a habit of is we have date night. And it doesn't happen every week, though we try to make it every week. And sometimes we go out to dinner. Sometimes we just go have uh, chips and queso. Sometimes we just go for a walk. And on our date, whatever it happens to be, uh, we ask the question, how are you doing? 
And that is our trigger question that we know, okay, it's time to open up and talk about what's really going on. And so we'll talk about the different areas of life and how things are going and and how we can encourage one another and how we can make our marriage stronger. And it opens the lines of communication for us so that we know what's going on with the other person. And again, if you're in a work environment and you're struggling to get along with someone, ask them that question. How are you doing? And genuinely actively listen to their response. And I guarantee you in 30 days, you'll have a much better working relationship. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening and God bless.